So amen. It's good to be here. So I, I think that the message will go together well with what you shared. I want to speak today about sowing and reaping. Whatever you put in the ground is what will grow. Um, in preparing for the opening last week, um, I realized um, there's, there's a lot more that, that could be said. So if you, if you want to think of it as a bit of a, a continuation of that, <clears throat> the theme was uh, that our actions, our choices, the decisions we make, the actions we choose to do today change who we become. And as life goes on, we change. We become different people, sometimes all together. Um, we will process and think of things differently in 10 years and in 20 years than we do now. Um, just even the way we process things, it changes. We're changed by our environment, by the people we're around, by the things we do, the things we watch, the things we see, the, the experiences we have. It changes. It changes us. And the habits we establish now are the habits we will have in the future. So today I want to speak on, on, uh, on sowing and reaping. And I want to take my text out of Galatians 6, verse 7. We'll keep going back to that. So, sowing and reaping. It's a simple, it's a simple life principle. It's a... And it's good to understand. And the principle, if you know what a principle is, a principle is basically a law of life that doesn't change. The result is always the same. Whatever you sow is what will grow. It'll never be different. No matter what your life is like, no matter what situation you're in, no matter where you live, what country, what part of the world, whatever you sow is what you will reap, is what, you will, what, you, what will grow. It's like a mathematical law. It's like 1 plus 1 equals 2. 1 plus 1 equals 2 every time. It's never different. It will never be less. It will never be more. It's exactly 2. And that's how, that's how a principle is. It's always the same. It always works the same way. It's, and we can't, we can't see it and we can't define it as clearly as we can define 1 plus 1 equals 2. But the principle stays the same. Whatever you sow is what we will reap in every situation. And in life, a lot of times it is hard to see. It's hard to see how a person... Um, sometimes we look at situation and everything seems to be going so well. Everything seems to be going so perfect when somebody is seems to be completely evil, wrong, or or something like that. And it's uh, it's not always for us to completely understand and to know exactly how this works. But we can trust and we can know that this is the way it'll be. <laughs> that whatever a person sows, that's what they will reap. 
And if you put a seed in the ground, if I take an apple seed and I put it in the ground, I'll get some sort of apple tree. I won't get pears. I won't get uh, tomatoes. It'll be an apple. If I put a corn, if I put a um, a wheat seed into the ground, I'll get wheat. Corn, I'll get corn. So whatever the seed is, is what will grow. Uh, and today I want to cover a few points on sowing and reaping. Um, first, I want to we will talk about sowing to the flesh. Sowing seeds that that oppose and actively work against good seed, investing in the world. And, and sowing nothing, doing nothing. And then I want to speak about uh, sowing in the spirit. Sowing God's principles. Um, God's sowing good seed in our life. So uh, here's the principle from scripture. Galatians 6, starting at verse 7. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So he says, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. So I, I looked at this verse and I was, okay, why, why, such, uh, why these terms? Why say God is not mocked? Why is that relevant? Why is it here? Why would God be mocked? And why, why would someone be deceived about this? It's a pretty simple concept. But the reality is we all have the tendency to deceive ourselves in this. We all tend to think we can get away with things. I can do this and it doesn't matter. And sometimes it seems like we do get away with things. It's like little children... They get away with things and they try it again and again to see how far they can go until they can't get away with it anymore. In the same way, we 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 seems like we get away with things and we 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 can easily be deceived. <clears throat> and here he says, "Be not deceived; God is not mocked." So he puts the emphasis on the on the principle that whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. And uh, we like to think, uh, a lot of times we think no one will ever know. It's only a little bit. Maybe everyone else is doing it. But be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he reap. <clears throat> the principle for sowing and reaping applies to every area of our life. To every area I can think of. Sometimes it's hard to see how it exactly works. But... If you look at the world, at this world, if you look at the world around us through the lens of eternity, um, a lot of things that, that don't make sense, they start making sense with this principle. <clears throat> but he says, God is not mocked. God is the creator and the judge of all the earth. He cares and delivers judgment and justice. And scripture says, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And yes, indeed, he will. He will. We can all rest in that, that fact. We can all find peace. And for some people, for people who are walking in darkness, 
we can tremble in the fact that judgment day is coming and everyone will receive a just recompense for their reward. Not only on judgment day, but in, in this life already, we reap what we sow. <clears throat> Except in Christ, we find... Um, we can rest in Christ. So verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So I want to take a minute to look at a few examples in Scripture. Um, most of the sad stories uh, in the Old Testament are stories of people that sowed bad seed and then they reaped it. <clears throat> if we take, for example, uh, King Saul, I think King Saul is a particularly good example because <clears throat> he had such a wonderful start and a beginning. Saul in his early years, um, it seems to me he had sown some very good seed. He was humble, he was honest, he was dedicated. And uh, he was committed. He was seeking to do what's right. And Saul, he was handpicked by God out of the hundreds of thousands in Israel at the time. He was chosen by God to be the first king of Israel. And uh, I asked, did, did God make a mistake by picking Saul? No, I don't think so. I believe God chose the best candidate He found. The best one He found in Israel to be king. <clears throat> Paul was, no, no, Saul, he was a great pick. He was humble. He had a very low opinion of himself. He actually had impressive leadership skills. When he finally, when he stepped up, <clears throat> up to the task, people fell in line and they followed him. And he... He, uh, in the first few battles, the first few uh, things he let out on, he did, he did very well. The people loved and followed him. But he became proud. And when we look at Saul's life, <clears throat> we can see how he, he moved from humbly seeing himself as insufficient to being proud and trying to control things and take control of things he had no business in. We can see how at first the choices and the offenses seemed, the, the mistakes, and I don't want to call them mistakes, yeah, mistakes, and the offenses that were first came out, they seemed very subtle. They were relatively small. They, they, they were seemingly small offenses. But Saul's response to those offenses led him down a road to where he ended up <clears throat> as basically being a depressed, oppressed, um, cynical and cold, cold man. 
Slowly, these choices, they, they led him to outright rebellion. He was, in the end of his, uh, toward, in the la seems like the latter half of his life, he was working directly against what God was trying to accomplish. And this happened slowly. The seeds of, of uh, disobedience and rebellion were sown in the early part of his reign. And he never repented of them. He never dealt with them. It would have been easy. At the point when, when Samuel came to Saul and he first said to him, uh, he confronted him about making the sacrifice. If Saul would have humbled, humbled himself then and owned his sin, his mistake, and repented before God, I think his life would have taken a different direction. <clears throat> but he, he refused to seriously, to honestly own his mistakes, to honestly own his errors, to, to truly repent before God and man. And that, and that fruit, that seed, and when I call that the seed, a seed of disobedience, a seed of rebellion in his life, it grew in his life, it took root. And it grew to the point where it completely controlled and possessed him. <clears throat> As compared to David, so I want to take another example out of David. When he walked into sin, some people would say David fell into sin. But more realistically, I believe he, fell, he walked into sin. As we generally do. <clears throat> Almost always, um, when you look at a situation, and we say someone fell into sin, if you trace it a little bit, if you, if you step it back a little bit, you can see that it was actually a walk, a few steps that led, led, led that person to that place. So what happened to David when he, in his, his great sin, the sin of Bathsheba and the killing of Uriah? If you trace it back a little bit, where did it start? He was on the top of the roof, of the palace roof, and he was watching. He was looking at something, and he was watching something that he had no business watching. And you know the rest of the story. That little seed quickly grew. It quickly grew into a tragic story of um, lust, adultery, deception, and finally murder. <clears throat> and uh, those, are, those are choices that he made. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. Sin will always pull you in deeper than you want it to be. What happens almost every time... is that a little, a little white sin, a little in seemingly innocent sin, a little cover-up, a little white lie, a little something that you took that wasn't yours. Like a seed takes root. If you don't repent, it'll take root and grow. When the sin is small, it's only one issue it's easy to deal with. But the thing is, it so quickly compounds. It so quickly piles up. 
If you take, if, if, if you with the initial sin, if you swallow your pride and, pride and repent, it's easy, it's relatively easy. It's never, it's never completely easy in, in the sense that like eating an ice cream. But it's easy compared to what it will become. If you push it out, if you resist facing and owning up to it, it becomes a monster, it becomes a giant. And Satan fills our minds, he fills our minds with lies about what people will think. People will look down on me, down at me, people will despise me. But they probably won't. They won't. The people who really care for you, the people who love you, they won't. It's always refreshing and beautiful to see people humbling themselves and dealing with sins they are struggling with. Because for most of us, if we're honest, we've dealt with the same issue at some level. <clears throat> You're not against anything new. Solomon, he wrote in Ecclesiastes, he said, uh, he said, there's nothing new under the sun. He tried it all, he'd done it all. And I, I want to say that, <clears throat> not that it's okay, not that sin is okay, not that it's not, a, it's not an issue. But um, once again, it's just refreshing to see people clear their hearts and clear, clear their conscience of sin in their life. <clears throat> in, the, in the world, um, it, may look, it may be looked at as weakness. People might despise you for something you've done. But in the church, we know that real strength and true character lies in being open and humbling yourself. True character and true strength lies in humbling yourself, being able to humbling yourself and be honest with where you're at. When you start covering up, when you start working around it, it soon becomes a house of cards that's held up by a fragile network of lies. It takes constant maintenance and protection. It quickly becomes a nightmare. It, you know, did, did King David wake up one morning out of the blue and write this letter to have Uriah killed? No, it was all part of a David's cover-up plan. David had become an evil villain. Maybe that's strong. He had become a man that he himself didn't even recognize in such a short time. If you'd asked David if he thought he'd been capable of murdering his friend and comrade, he would have thought you're out of, in my, out of your mind that this would ever happen. But then the prophet Nathan came to him and he told him this story about this man, this family who had a little land. And it was, it was, he, 
this very poor family, they had one little lamb and it was like a pet to them. It was like one of their children. And in the story, Nathan told um, their, their rich neighbor, got a guest, and instead of taking one of his, a lamb from his flock, he went and took this poor man's lamb. And they had it for supper. And David stood up, this man is worthy of death. This man should die. And Nathan said, you're that man. And the beauty of the story is that David fell on his face before God. He fell on his face before God and he repented. He came broken, completely broken before God. And he cried and wept in sackcloth and ashes. And he found forgiveness and he found repentance. <clears throat> but he had become someone who he didn't even recognize. Who he never thought he could be. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. What does that mean? How do we sow to the flesh? <clears throat> to sow to the flesh is to do what the flesh wants. To simply do what you like to do. What our flesh likes to do. If we let ourselves drift... If we let ourselves just do, just follow pleasure and excitement and the things that thrill us. Not only those things, but to do and pursue things that are evil. Um, there's, there's a little bit of a difference. See, if for us to do nothing... will equate to sowing in the flesh. Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. If, if we just drift along with the flow, the weeds will come automatically. They don't have to be sown. You know, and, and we, okay, we can plant, we can be sowing seeds onto death, onto the flesh. That's pursuing the flesh. But the weeds are already there in our lives. And it's, it's one of the things that this life is a battle. Christianity, this life, life in Christ, to find, to seek God, it takes a seeking. It takes a, a working. It takes a, a pressing in. It does not, it's not something that happens by default. And in this life... We have to seek, we have to be active, we have to work, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's what God wants of us. He wants us to seek Him, to recognize this world for what it is. <clears throat> if we allow these things that are evil to take hold in our lives, we can sow in many different ways. We can sow with our actions, we can sow with our words. We can sow with what, our, what we take in our eyes and even with our thoughts. Whatever we do, 
the actions we live out, the words we say, the information we receive with our eyes and ears, are all those things are all subject to the principle of sowing and reaping. The scriptures say, guard your heart. We have to guard, guard our heart of the things that are evil. Because those things, it's a, it's a constant barrage of things coming against us that want to take hold in our life. Our enemies on, con at, uh, on constant offense. <clears throat> if you fill your mind with evil content through media, you will reap the fruits of a defiled and a corrupt mind and thought process. If you pump, if that's what you pump in, that is what's going to grow. And media is especially critical because it's like a it's like a super fast download. You're getting gigabytes of memory. That in the past, I don't think it was it was that it was that you'd have to be watching something in real life to get the equivalent of what you're getting from media. If you pump your mind full of worthless games, you will reap the fruit of a mind that has nothing of substance to talk and share about. And not only that, it's dulling, it's, it's mind, it, it dulls your mind from create, being able to create and, and have meaningful relationships with people. If you watch and look at evil and inappropriate content, you will reap inappropriate thoughts and temperament. Those are going to be the fruits of that thing and much more. This is just some of the things I came up with. Modern media is powerful and we best realize it and take it into account. <clears throat> What we do today is who we will be tomorrow. It's not what we think today. It's not what we want to decide, what we want to be that we become. We become our actions today, our choices, the things we do, we live out today, determine who we become tomorrow. We, we're, we're generally optimistic in this area. We're optimistic about ourselves. Most people are. We assume the best. But the reality is, you'll reap what you sow. <clears throat> Be not deceived. God is not mine. <clears throat> if we look at Cain and Abel, if we look at Saul and David, if we look at Judas Iscariot, where did he start his sowing? He started on a journey. Jesus chose him as one of his disciples. And that little seed, I would, I would ask, I would, I think it's, it was probably a, a little pilfering. He took a little bit of money, maybe spent it on himself. He probably said, I deserve this. And that's how it started. And that seed takes root and it starts, starts growing. If we look at Saul, you think Saul, when somebody would have faced Saul and told him, uh, Saul of Tarsus, Paul, um, and told him he would persecute, he would one day persecute uh, 
God-fearing and, and loving people. They would have thought you're out of your mind. But those choices, that's where they took him. To resist, it's, it's a fearful thing. It's an, and along the lines of what Josh shared in the opening, it's almost, it's a fearful thing to resist God's working, to resist God's word in our life, to resist what God is working in us. Sin is blinding. It will always take you further than you want to go. So this principle, we can apply it to our lives in two ways. It can either be, um, we can look at bad seed that was sown and it produced bad fruit. Or we can look at good seed that is sown and it produced good fruit. And generally, it seems like we look at it as bad fruit and on the, on the negative side. But I want to take some time today and, and, all, and, and look at it on the positive side. That if we sow good seed, if we sow good things, if we pursue good things, if we pursue God, if we pursue the Spirit, we will reap those things. And the same principle applies. The same rules are just as true. That if you, if you sow this, you will reap this. And it's a beautiful and, and it, it should be an encouraging thing for us to look at it. <clears throat> um, and maybe, maybe some of the older ones here, you can already see areas where you sowed something in your life and now you're reaping it. Maybe those things are good. Maybe they're not so good. Um, but <clears throat> always, <clears throat> always remember at any point in life, we can start sowing seed for our future. We can start sowing good seed today, and we should. We should start sowing good seed in our life today, every day. <clears throat> but there's one place I want to point out where this principle is overridden. It's almost reversed from becoming true. And in a beautiful way, we can all experience this when we become believers, when we become Christians. When we turn to Christ and we put our trust and our faith in Him and surrender our lives to Him. We receive forgiveness for sins and a new life in Him. And as far as the as the, the principle of sowing and reaping in the most powerful way there, it is overridden. Because none of us could ever pay. None of us could ever pay for our sins. None of us could ever do enough good to be forgiven to pay for the sins that we're guilty of. All have sinned and come far short of the glory of God. And <clears throat> so in Christ, this principle, in, in the most powerful way, it gets overridden. That, yes, someone who was a sinner, he's forgiven. And the truly, the, 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 how do we say, the, the penalty that he would have had to pay or should have had to pay rightfully. Christ paid. 
it is it's not that it was completely disannulled, but in in our place, Christ paid for our sin, paid for the penalty. He paid the sacrifice. And we're able to, to receive the benefit of having Christ pay reap the having Christ reap the fruit of our sin. And it's something that we're where we're still um, we're forever indebted. We will be forever indebted. But the principle of sowing and reaping, even for Christians, is still there. Even as Christians, once we become believers, the principle in life, it maintains. Yes, our sins are forgiven, but you still have to, um, there are still things we have to deal with and work through. There are still the results of the choices that we made through our life, that even though we are forgiven, and we're made a new creation in Him. Yes, we're forgiven and <clears throat> of more than we ever deserve. But we still have to walk through and work through the consequences of our actions. But in a mysterious way, God is able to take the worst situations and turn them into something beautiful. <clears throat> so as I want to, like I said, I want to speak on the positive side of this thing. <clears throat> Verse 8, But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. So, There's a beautiful side to sowing and reaping that sometimes I think we can miss because we always we are always used to applying it to the negative sense. The negative is true, and you can ne- you can never avoid it. But on the other side, um, we can reap the good things we've, that that we sow in our lives. Sowing in the spirit. If we sow it to the spirit, we will of the spirit reap life everlasting. What does it mean to sow to the Spirit? The NIV says, uh, the NIV Bible says to sowing to please the Spirit. And I'd say it's it's investing in the Spirit, in spiritual things, in God's Spirit. If we sow spiritual seeds, we will reap spiritual life. If we invest in spiritual things, in Christ, in His teachings, walking walking and living out His commands, in the things... In things that give life, if we invest and pursue Christ, we will reap eternal rewards. And he says, don't be weary in well-doing. Pursue good things. Invest in good things. In things that have eternal benefits and will bring eternal rewards. We will reap what we sow. We will reap what we invest in and pursue. And again, if we look at the examples of the Old Testament... And, and I want to take David again. Even as a boy, his heart was after God. He was sowing good, good seed as a young man, as a boy. <clears throat> he knew God as his shepherd, as his, as his protector, as his provider. He learned to walk patiently and trust God through the worst of situations. And in the end, God was in control. In the end of those years, of the years of being hunted taunted and challenged 
They did not destroy, they didn't destroy David. They made him into a man that God could use. A man that even after he committed the worst sins and failures, knew that what it was to repent and to cry out to God in humility. So he, he pursued God in his younger years. And I think one of the clearest stories is the glory of, story of Joseph. In, every, in, in the whole account of his life, he was sowing good seed. He made good choices. He made good decisions. He did what was right. In every situation he was put in, he turned his heart, he turned his heart to God, <clears throat> and he gave it his all. No matter how low he was, he was uh, sunk, he was thrown in prison for a sin he didn't commit, for a sin he refused to do. He was in prison. And he refused to be a victim. He, he, he's still there. He, uh, he chose to put his heart in God, heart towards, turn his heart toward God. <clears throat> and the, the, the fact that he put his heart towards God, that he pursued what's right, that he sought God in every situation and trusted in him. He sowed what he reaped. No, he reaped what he sowed. And he sowed what he reaped. <clears throat> the test, um, you know, one of the tests that, uh, that Jesus gave us to test people, to see if people were legitimate, to see if people were, were real, was the test of fruit. What's fruit? And in Matthew 17, verse 15, I'll, I'll start reading. And Jesus says, this is how you know false prophets. He says, false prophets will come, false teachers. And he says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits we shall know them. Ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. <clears throat> Evil fruit and good fruit. And it's interesting on the subject of sowing and reaping, we're talking about fruit. So not only can we see the fruit that the seeds that we've sown in the past produce, but others can look at those fruits. Others can see those fruits. The people around us, by looking at us, can tell what seeds we're sowing. They can tell if we're pursuing righteousness. Because ultimately, Jesus is looking for fruit. Jesus is looking for results. Jesus is looking to change us into his likeness and into his image. 
He wants us to really be his children, to be his disciples, not just say, not just talk about it. And whatever the fruit are, fruit are the evidence of the seeds of what we're pursuing, of what we have. It's not who say it's not those who say the right things, but it's those who bring forth the fruit of righteousness. <clears throat> Can you gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Whatever is sown is what you will reap. Grapes come from vines and thorns come from thistles. Seek the Lord while he may yet be found. So <clears throat> what do we sow and how do we sow? Sowing to the Spirit, sowing good seed, is seeking and pursuing Christ, His life, His teachings, and His heart. He is found of those that diligently seek Him. So if we see Christ, if we diligently seek Him, we will be found of Him. Sowing God's principles. There's a few of, of, the, of, the, of the principles, of the gifts that we even received, that have the, the, the principle of sowing and reaping in them. Like Jesus said very clearly in, in a few parables, he said, if we need to forgive, he said we need to forgive in order to be forgiven. The parable of the, the man who was forgiven so much, and then he went and he, he uh, found someone who owed him a little bit, and he strangled him. And he said, you, you, she threw him in prison. And he said, you'll pay me. And Jesus said, go and throw him in prison. So we have to forgive. There's a, there's a, we have to live, we have to forgive in order to be forgiven. In the same way, he says, we were not, we're not to judge. Because in the same way that we judge, we will be judged. <clears throat> so, in closing, what, what are you sowing and what is growing? I guess ultimately that's the question. What are you sowing and what's growing? The seeds you sow today are the person you will be tomorrow. Galatians 6 verse 8, once again, He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. And there's this principle in, in, all, in all the good aspects, in all the positive aspects of life, I think we can apply it. It's like uh, sowing and reaping is like an investment. If I, if I look at a farm, if you talk to a farmer about sowing and reaping, um, here in spring they go out and they farm, and sowing is it's different now than they did back in the day. You, you hook up the planter and you do a couple of weeks' work on it, and then you go to work. You just plant it. <clears throat> but the point, the reason they sow is so they can reap. And sowing nowadays, it costs a lot of money. It did back in the day too. You, 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 you actually went and you take good grain, you take good seeds, and the seed is, is 
is what you're after, right? So you take good seed and you spread it out. And to someone who, who doesn't know what's going on, that might look like a waste. This, this person is just throwing away seed. But for the person who is sowing, it's an investment. That farmer is investing. He's putting money in. He's investing, but he is expecting a return. And in the same way, in, in a lot in our lives, a lot of these things, a lot of the, the things that we hope to benefit, that we want, <clears throat> we need to invest in. Okay, so whatever we invest in is what we will have in the future. If you have someone who's a workaholic and he just wants to work and he wants to build a business and he's investing all his time and all his energy and all his, uh, his thoughts in even his off time, he's investing into, into making money and making money. That person will most likely end up with a lot of money. Okay, in the same way, if you have someone who, uh, uh, what would we use, wants to be a farmer, and he wants to be a big farmer, and every day, all, everything he does is he invests in his farm. He wants to sow seed, he wants to watch it grow, harvest seed, and invest more, see how he can sell high um, and buy low. And just if that's constantly everything that's going, that's what he's investing in. That's what his mind, he's putting his mind into. That's what he wants. His end goal, if, if that's where he's putting all his energy, most likely he will be a successful farmer. In this country, this still works. If you invest and put all your energy into something, you generally get results. You end up with what you want. <clears throat> so in the same way, we need to look at, our, uh, look at our lives in a real meaningful way. And so, so whatever helps, if, if you look at the end fruit, we, I think we can look forward towards the end of our life. I think that's wisdom. To look at the end, to imagine the end of our lives or imagine 10 or 20 years down the road and imagine what you want to have, where you want to be in 10 or 20 years. And start investing, start sowing seed to get you that result. The farmer doesn't go out to sow seed just because it's, it's spring. He sows seed because he wants to harvest in fall. And I, I think that's the... the that's the, <clears throat> that's the principle of sowing and reaping, and we need to take it and apply it to our lives in a meaningful way. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap. He says, don't be weary, don't get weary in doing well. Because those things will bring you the harvest that you're after. Doing well, doing good things. <clears throat> you reap the fruit of doing well. There's no doubt. Just like you reap the fruit if you, do, if you go and do something that's evil or do something that's wrong, you'll reap the fruit. You will, you will suffer the consequences of that. In the same way, you will reap if you pursue good, if you do good things. 
<clears throat> he says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. But he adds, if we faint not, we have to pursue to the end. We have to follow through. If the farmer sows his seed and he gives up somewhere in fall, if, if uh, in fall it gets, uh, or in midsummer it gets dry, and he gives up and he throws in the towel and he walks away, he doesn't reap the benefits. He's lost it. <clears throat> if we faint not, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. And here he says, do good to all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. We're called to especially reach out, bless, and do good to those who are of the household of faith, to the Christians. Not only in our circles, but wherever. We know of Christians. There's a, there's a bit of a higher calling to do good and to, to reach out to Christians that are suffering than there are even to other people who are suffering. <clears throat> so there's, a, there's always a lot of good we can do if we're looking for that. If, and it's, it's an eternal investment. We can invest in things here um, we can make an investment here. We can sow seed here that we will harvest in eternity. Like Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven. Where moth doesn't corrupt. It's not, it's not about physical things. But it's about having a spiritual uh, richness. Riches in heaven that, uh, that, that, will, uh, that we will reap of through eternity. So, amen. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, brothers, for sharing. I just, I wanted to comment on the sowing and reaping a little bit here. I was hoping you would comment on this here, but uh, I'll share on it. The, the account of David and, yeah, what happened there with David and Bathsheba. Uh, it kind of ties into, I think, the conversations we've had the last few days. <clears throat> um, I do believe David was a New Covenant Christian. I do believe he had the Spirit of Christ in him. He knew, he knew the Lord. But here when this thing happened, and thinking about sowing and reaping, when this thing happened here, and Nathan came to him, and he says in verse 8 of Second uh, Samuel 12, he says, uh, The Lord said, I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah, and if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee, 
out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And then after this, David instantly says, I have sinned against the Lord. And then here's what Nathan says. He says, The Lord also had put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. But then he goes on and he says, How be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So the question is, I ask myself, is did God forgive David of this sin? He did. I do believe he forgave him, but did the sword depart out of David's house the rest of his life? No, it didn't. Did someone else um, lay with his wives? Yes, his own son did. Did the child die? He did die. So even though David was forgiven, it seems that to us, we would look at that and say, well, that's not really forgiveness. I mean, that's punishment. But it's still... I look at this and you wonder, okay, is this really forgiveness? But I think it is. it fits in very well with the principle of sowing and reaping. It is so, it is, uh, it is, these things, this thing followed David the rest of his life. And I do believe he found forgiveness, but we have to come to the understanding that by going against what we know is right, and someone told me this when I was converted, he said, listen, the movies that you watched, the music that you listened to, it will not just magically disappear. You will have that in your mind for a long, long time. It's not going to go away the things you looked at, the things you saw. It is not just going to go away. And it's, this is, to me, it's important to understand that, that sin has consequences, that even though we can find forgiveness, we should not be surprised if there are a lot of after-effects that we... Um, are not aware of.